again. Uh, Let me pray as we focus on God's word together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are both strong and kind. And that even before uh, we thought of running to you, you came to us. And that you have now made us your people. And so now, as your people, Lord, we pray that you would show us how to live as your people together. Uh, Particularly in relation to world mission and many people Overseas, who don't yet know you. Uh, Help us to think about that clearly from your word. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Importance of tech, eh? Making sure microphones are pointed in the right direction. Uh, Good morning again to those here and uh, to those who are online. Um, You know, I think we're all getting used to things that we you know, doing, using technology that we didn't even imagine was out there just two years ago. Um, now, a missionary is a funny thing in some ways, or a funny person. Um, you know, we come to churches like this as a visitor, uh, talk about our work in, in far-off place, then we disappear for a few years uh, before coming back again. It begs the question, what is it that holds the relationship between the missionary and the sending church together? And we could go further. What is it that allows a missionary to go to a country like Japan and join a church there as a partner? Um, as we will be in, in August. You know, we are going basically to a new church where we haven't been a part of um, before. That's why I wanted to look at Ephesians 4 together, to hopefully confirm with you what or who it is that holds our relationship together as missionary and ascending church And what we find here is that we can be partners um, over large distances, over long absences, because we are united by Christ Jesus to do his work. We are united by Christ Jesus to do his work. Now we're jumping into a passage in the middle of a book, so it's, it's good to get some context. Uh, Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, that is not a photo or an accurate representation, that is an image, as the Japanese would say. Um, he'd visited and helped start the Ephesian church as a missionary, and now he had been imprisoned as a follower of the Lord Jesus. In the first half of the letter, Paul has laid out God's plan for the world. Um, you know, if you've never read Ephesians, please read it because it's, it's this amazing 
picture of what God is doing in the world. How God is seeking to re-establish his authority over all the world by setting up his son, the Lord Jesus, as king. And as part of that plan, Jesus is bringing together a new family of people from, from all different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. So from chapter 4, Paul starts to set out how this new united people should live under the Lord Jesus. To live a life worthy of our calling as his people, as Paul says in verse 1. What was this calling? What are we being called to? Paul describes in wonderful detail in the first two chapters how we were made God's people. How once we were good as dead before God and deserved his punishment for our wrongdoing. But God saved us through his son, his son Jesus. Jesus took the punishment we should have received by dying on the cross. And in this way, God bought us with the blood of Jesus. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead as God's king over all things. And God has given us new and eternal life with the Lord Jesus. And God has also marked each of us with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit he has sent to live in each of us. And Paul describes how all of this happened when we heard the message of truth about the Lord Jesus and believed it. And this is the one hope to which we've been called that Paul mentions in verse 4. I hope, I hope that this is, for many of you, truths that you know and love. And it's important to confirm this as our shared belief. Uh, this is the message we take as missionaries to Japan. It's on the basis of this shared belief in what God has done through Jesus that we have all become God's people. And we're not only God's people, in a sense, tied to God. Paul reminds us in verse 4 that we are also united to one another in the Spirit. We have been made God's family. And so, um, Beck and I and our family, we can come like this to you, our partner church, because we're united as a family who share the same truth of the Lord Jesus. We're united under one God, following the one Lord, united by the one Spirit. All of this uniting and binding together done by God himself. This wonderful spiritual reality. 
And on that basis, you know, we're able to stand here, not, not as random people who happen to have the title missionary, rather as those united with you in God's family, whom you send out to do his work. To you and to us, Paul says, act in a way that is worthy of that, of being part of his family. Now, I've, I've talked about being family, and uh, one of the things we have to be careful about family is not to take them for granted. Uh, you know, like maybe a son or daughter who demands money to go to the movies. And you sons or daughters probably remember times when your parents have demanded things or treated you badly. Uh, you know, we, we can forget that we're meant to show the love we have for each other. And then you've... Um, but we also know it can be hard to love family. Um, now, maybe your family is all lovable and, and easy to get along with. Um, but you've probably experienced this at church. And I can think of times at church in Japan or, or in the past in Australia where it was hard to love someone. But I can also think of times now in reflection when I was probably quite hard to love. And this is why I think Paul states right at the beginning of this section what sort of an attitude is worthy of those united in the spirit. What kind of attitude we should have towards other family members. Verse 2. Be completely humble. Gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And you have demonstrated that to us over six years now, as you've welcomed us each time we're in Australia. And through your encouragement and support while we've been in Japan. And we also want to act with humility and gentleness. So uh, we want to commend the work God has set for us in Japan, um, not because we're doing an amazing job there. We don't want to commend ourselves. We want to commend it because God is doing an amazing job in Japan. And we all get to be a part of that as those who share the goal of seeing Jesus proclaimed as Lord around the world, including Japan, to see a world that knows Jesus. Now, this unity as Christians in Jesus also means that we've been welcomed by our new church, at Crossroad Nishinomiya, you know, we, we, we weren't part of that church until very recently. And so one of the things you can pray for us is that as we minister at Crossroad, as we serve there, 
we would be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with others in love. Um, now, uh, this is something I like to do in my sermons. I want you, I want us all to take a moment right now to reflect on what we've heard and to pray. So take a moment to give thanks to the Lord Jesus, huh? who is strong and kind, uh, that he came to us and gave us new life and made you a member of his body and uniting you to the brothers and sisters around you. And please, please pray that you might be gentle, humble, patient, bearing with others to build the unity of the Spirit. And please pray for us that we would have those attitudes as we start serving at Crossroad. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came to us and that by dying on the cross you saved us and gave us new life with you and that you united us to your people, our brothers and sisters. So we pray for our attitude that we would be loving we would be humble, gentle, and patient with one another. I pray this wherever we fellowship with your people. Amen. So being family, it is, it's great for getting together, for being able to come together under God, together. But asking family for support, partnership as, as we are, uh, on some endeavour, uh, still requires that we make clear our aims for that support. Why do you, do you need to support us? Why do you need to partner with us? Why are we going back to Japan and to a new church? From today's passage, I want to say that you partner with us so we can be sent to equip other members of Christ's body. That's in verse 12. Central to this passage and the life of the church is the work of the Lord Jesus. Um, verses 8 and 10, 8 to 10, describe the victory of the Lord Jesus over the dark spiritual powers of this world before rising up to be Lord over all things. Uh, Paul quotes Psalm 68, which was also read, a song that depicts God overcoming his enemies and saving his people. And Paul here is reminding us that the Lord Jesus is in fact God himself, who has defeated death and saved us. And now 
He gives us the spoils of that victory, the gifts that come after winning the battle. And what he gives each of us are other gifts to serve one another as members of his body. God's grace is not just a one-off act when we're saved from our sins. God's grace continues, it continues in this case, in equipping each of us to work for him and for others in his church. Um, Defining specific gifts, I think, is less important than realising that we've all been given the ability to play a role in God's work. And that may be in the Sunday service, but, but there's also a whole lot of other things that we do together as God's people, uh, whether that's on Sunday or during the week. And I think there would seem to be something of a journey of discovery here. We can't know what gifts Christ has given us for, for church until we start giving it a go. Seeking to serve our brothers and sisters in a way that builds them up. Somebody suggested last week that the gifts or the way we serve might change over time. Not only based on how we change, but on how the church changes. You know, we might think we're gifted in some particular area, but actually the church as a whole might need us in something completely different. You know, you might be doing tech today, but you might find someday that you need to be encouraging people much more in listening to them and speaking to them. Now, Paul goes on to define some specific roles in verse 11 that are focused on God's word so that his people are better prepared, are better able to fulfill their roles in the church. When we think about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, I don't think being one necessarily excludes the possibility of doing the task of another. And just briefly, I think Paul here is talking about small a apostles and small p prophets, as opposed to the big A apostles like Paul and the disciples of Jesus and big P prophets of the Old Testament. So I think these offices, as they're sometimes mentioned, all exist today. Uh, but in a, in a, not in a way that contradicts the word of God that we've been given uh, in the Bible. Uh, I also don't think it's a list of professional ministers or ministries. I think any of God's people, any of you, may at different times serve God's people in one or more of these capacities. And if you do that, you know, occasionally or regularly, maybe as a Bible study leader, uh, maybe you preach occasionally, um, in some other way uh, throughout the week, maybe it's just listening well to someone and being able to speak into their lives, please continue that work in God's strength to equip the saints around you. Uh, as we have served in Japan, 
Equipping our brothers and sisters has been one of our central aims under God. We don't know how long we will be able to serve in Japan. You know, we want to serve for many years yet, but God is the one who decides that timeline. What we do want to do in the time we are given is to equip God's people for works of service and to equip them to equip others. And that's partly why we're moving to Crossroad Church. Um, as you saw in the video, Fumi Sensei mentioned relational disciple making as a central aim of the church. He wants us to get to know people at church, to then encourage and equip them so they can grow as followers of Jesus. That is the work we want you to partner with us in, uh, to pray for us to do this work that is only possible because the Lord Jesus equips us to do it. And as Jesus gives his gifts to those we walk alongside so that they can serve in his church. So let's do that right now. Please pray that the Lord Jesus would equip you to serve others and that you would be willing to serve. And please pray for us and and also for uh, those who are ministering to you, like Michael and Dan and others in the church, who are here to equip all of you to serve the Lord Jesus better. So please take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for the gifts that Jesus gives each of us, Uh, not for ourselves, but so that we can serve one another uh, as we are led by the Spirit. And Lord, I I pray that that we would be willing servants of one another uh, and that way to build up the body. And I pray for those who do serve to teach and and equip others through your word, that you would be strengthening them to do your work. Amen. The Lord Jesus has united us as a body and equips us so that we can serve one another to do his work. And to what end? Paul shows us that Jesus wants us to grow to maturity as his people. And that is, we seek to grow 
as a group of people into what God has already made us. A united people under the Lord Jesus who are able to live his way. In one sense, the growing never finishes. This makes sense. As a church of people or a group of people, all of whom are at different stages of maturity, learning to live as Christ would have them live. Um, There's times when new people are added as well. Uh, They've just come to Christ, and so they are just starting to grow as Christians. So as a continually growing group of people under Christ, uh, Paul shows us um, two ways that might be a good sign of how things are going. One is that God's people will be steady. Not being tossed around by the waves and fashions of worldly teaching. We are able to stick with God's truths. Uh, That doesn't stop us from making changes uh, in language or styles of worship or or other things. uh, Particularly so we can communicate God's truths better. But the gospel, and particularly Jesus' death and resurrection, stay central. And we seek to approach the issues and problems that come our way based on the truth in God's work, uh, word. The second thing appears um, in the way we speak to one another that we speak the truth in love. And I think this comes back to the attitudes at the start of the passage of gentleness and humility. And for there to be people who speak the truth in love, there need to be good listeners who hear God's truth spoken by others. So as we have an attitude that is humble and wants to keep God's unity, then we will take time to listen to what others have to say. And that may be firstly for our own benefit. We benefit when our brother or sister speaks to us, in a sense speaks to us from God. And that may be painful, but it's probably good for us. But then by listening to people, we can know Uh, the aspect of God's truth they need to hear. And we can love them to know the time and the place to speak about it. Now, we very much need you to pray for us in this. Pray that we would be good listeners at Crossroad and in the other places we serve. And pray that we can really Speak the truth in love under Christ. So we're going to stop once more. Uh, And pray for your church to grow in Christ. Pray that you can all learn to listen well so that you can speak the truth in love. Pray for us that we would be good listeners as we walk with others. And that we would be able to speak the truth in love for the sake of the other person.
Heavenly Father, we do pray that the churches we are a part of, Cherrybrook Anglican, Crossroad, uh, Mondo where we were a part of, would grow to maturity in your Son, Christ Jesus. And pray that we would be seeking that in the way that we act and speak towards one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I've taken three opportunities for us to pray during uh, this sermon. And that's deliberate, obviously, um, partly because Paul's request at the end of Ephesians is for his readers and for us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And that's from chapter 6, verse 18. As we see just in today's passage, the Lord Jesus is at the centre of the action in our gatherings, in the life of the church. He has united us as family. He gives each of us the gifts needed to do his work together. And it is as his body that we grow to maturity. We need to pray to him because he's doing that work. So please pray for your own congregation here and for those other congregations you know, whether it's the ones we're a part of in Japan, whether you know others in Australia and elsewhere. And we ask that you would pray for us, just as Paul asks the Ephesians to pray for him that we would keep making known the gospel of Jesus. We're so thankful that over the last six years you have prayed for us, you have financially supported us, some of you have visited us, and you have welcomed us back in fellowship. So we ask as fellow workers to continue this partnership as we seek to raise up and equip disciples of the Lord Jesus in Japan. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the unity you give us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that we are not strangers to one another, even if we can only be together briefly every so often. We thank you that Jesus is at work through his spirit every day, equipping us, changing us, growing us, so that we can serve one another and do his work as a church in the world. And so we pray that we would keep seeking first to follow him faithfully, in the work he has set us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.